This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. We're in Galatians chapter 5 for the fruit of the Spirit. We took a break last week for Father's Day, but if you'll remember two weeks ago, I, I just kind of laid out a challenge for us to memorize this passage. I know it's, it's, it's early for a pop quiz, so I'm, I'm going to read through this passage, and I'm going to invite you, if you're ready, you say it out loud with me. I know the words are behind me on the screen, so you got a little bit of a help, but let's, let's see how we do. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we belong to the Spirit, no, since we live, oh no, we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I cheated, I looked. You're cheating too, because the words are here, so I feel like it's even. Nothing worse than being the minister and trying to rely on memory and it failing miserably. I looked in first service too, don't worry. I'll get better, as will you. By the end of this series, we're going to have this down. And notice the, the significant thing that happens when we, when we put God's word deeply in our minds, when we, when we hide it in our hearts. It becomes the lamp that, that lights our feet, the light that shines us down the path that helps us see where God is leading us, that helps us see the way we're supposed to be walking on that path. That's, that's what happens when we, when we allow God's Word such a strong place in our lives, especially when we're, we're talking about such characteristics, qualities, virtues, that, uh, like the fruit of the Spirit, that, that really define Christian living. Today we're going to talk specifically about kindness, and this is my favorite part of the sermons in this series, to be honest. We're going to assign a fruit to be the mascot of kindness, and I've decided it's the apple. Apple is the fruit of kindness. We teach kids from an early age to demonstrate kindness to their teachers by placing a bright red shiny apple on their desk, right? I don't know if that still happens today, but that's what I think of with, with apples and kindness. Apple pie, there's nothing kinder than handing an apple pie to someone. If you're thinking of ways you might want to be kind to someone else, I mean, pie is a variation of, of the fruit itself, so does that really count? Apple is the fruit that does things for you. More, more so than just the nutrients it provides. It's the kind fruit. It keeps the doctor away. Thank you, Apple. It also, if you have a loose tooth, will remove the tooth for you. Uh, side note, this has nothing to do with the sermon. A dill pickle will also do that. When I was a kid, my dad would get gallon jars of whole dill pickles. And on a summer day, we'd wrap the bottom in a paper towel. And that would be our snack on the porch in the heat, a dill pickle. I look back at my childhood and I wonder... Do all kids get these kinds of experiences? No. <laughs> but it's those things that are so memorable that I'm grateful for. Now, we think about kindness in Scripture. And, and there's so many examples of kindness. Jesus himself cared for the needs of people that he encountered, expressing kindness again and again and again. Changing people's lives dramatically with the way that he cared for them. That, He's got something that we don't. I mean, he's, he can miraculously heal people and take care of their needs. But, but his example remains. This, this, this demonstration of 
setting everything aside to engage with a, a particular person with a real need. No matter what else was going on, the, the, the things that he was doing of eternal significance, and yet these moments would matter to him so much that, that he, he, he'll just key in on one person and, and, and their needs. There's a story in particular I want, I want to highlight for you about this, this way that Jesus cared for people. It's a, a man with leprosy who approached Jesus. And he cared for this man so, so specifically, so, so personally. Stories in Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 12. Jesus was in one of the towns. A man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, this, this thing that Jesus did would have been unheard of. Leprosy is such a, such a devastating, contagious disease that, that people who had leprosy were no longer allowed to remain living in, in the towns where they did among their families. They had a, a special place to live outside of town. If they came back into town for any reason, they had, if they saw someone coming the other way, they had to shout, Unclean! To let them know they had leprosy so that there would be no accidental contact. They, they, were, they were people set apart. And I can't imagine the kind of isolation and loneliness and just devastation that would come from, from not being permitted to have human contact with any other person except for the other people living with them out, outside, outcast. And for Jesus to, to encounter this man, and, and instead of just saying, Yes, you're healed. Jesus placed a hand on this man, touching him, giving him an experience that he hadn't had for, for who knows how long, and communicating to him a value that he would not have experienced in that same amount of time. Not only healing the, the physical disease, but also beginning the process of healing the emotional, mental things that were going on inside of him because of this ailment. That's the kind of, of kindness that Jesus demonstrates to us. Jesus also spoke about kindness. And, and this morning I want to focus on two very specific stories that, that Jesus told to teach people about the significance of kindness. The first story that we'll highlight is part of, part of a series of stories that Jesus told to his disciples as he prepared for the cross. And tried to prepare them for the idea that he was going to lay down his life on the cross. In Matthew 25, uh, the story is, is a part of a, a, a chain of things that Jesus was telling his disciples about, about the fact that he was going to give up his life. And they need to start thinking uh, in terms of the future, of end times, of his return, that no one would know the day or the hour. And he began to describe the kingdom of heaven that they would have to start thinking about. And, and told stories about what, what the kingdom would be like. And one of them was a story about, about people waiting for a bridegroom to come and, and have this, this lavish wedding feast, and some would be invited and others would be left out in the cold and the dark. He talked about a, a master who was leaving and, and left behind gold, bags of gold, talents of gold, maybe you've heard that story, entrusting it to his servants while he was away. And he came back and, and interacted with each of those servants based on what they did with what he left them. The, the story I want to focus on today is from Matthew 25, beginning verse 31, about sheep and goats. Here's what Jesus said. 
when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you didn't come look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or stranger and needing clothes or sick and in prison and didn't help you? And he'll reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, the righteous to eternal life. Notice how everybody's surprised in the story. The sheep and the goats, they're all surprised to find this reaction from, from, from the Lord. The, the sheep, the righteous, are surprised because when they looked upon people who had a need, they saw a, an opportunity to, to engage in their lives, to care for them, to show kindness to them. They, they didn't see this as an opportunity to impress someone. They didn't see it as an opportunity to, to get something back. They just, they, they just expressed care and kindness. And, and to find out that this had such significance in the eyes of the Lord. Surprising to them. The goats, the, the unrighteous, they're surprised also. Oh. Because they walk past people in need. They, they made a very specific decision not to engage in the, in the lives of people. Maybe, maybe they were busy. They were so busy that they didn't want to take time out of their day to, to deal with what was happening here. Maybe. Maybe they're... They were so short on resources already that when they saw this need presented in front of them, they, they were really concerned that it, if they chose to help, that it would, it would limit what they, they, they could do together as a family. Like maybe, maybe they wouldn't have enough to make ends meet that month. We do not have enough to put food on the table. And they were worried that if I, I help others, I don't know where I'm going to come up with the money to, to pay the things that I have to pay. Maybe they saw people with a need And they notice that it's a person that's been making poor choices for a long time, who's been digging this hole. And they just decided, you know what? I don't think they deserve my help. I, even if I try and help them, they're just going to keep making these poor choices. Not, this isn't going to change anything. And, you know, this really isn't worth my investment. For whatever reason, they chose to walk past those opportunities of need. And they're surprised to find out how personally the Lord took each and every one of those moments, how significant those people were to him. I also notice that there's not a third group of animals. This shepherd doesn't have a herd of alpacas that didn't encounter anybody with a need. They were in their own little bubble, no problems whatsoever. 
Everybody in this story encountered someone with a need, and they're separated into two groups based on how they responded to that need. Not every need is a huge, huge, insurmountable obstacle. Not every need that we see. Some needs are big. Sometimes we'll, we'll encounter people that, that, that are getting ready to, to lose their, their home. They're getting ready to have their car repossessed. Their utilities are being shut off. They just don't have the, the money to make those ends meet. Some, some families you encounter truly don't know how they're going to put food on the table for their kids. There are, there are real big needs in the lives of people. There are also needs that, that people have that are genuine and they're huge, but they don't require as many resources from us to, to help. There, there are needs that, that we can meet simply with, with, with taking time to care, taking kind to, time to express kindness, to talk with them through the difficulty they're facing. Some of these are emotional needs or relational needs or or, or decision-making kinds of needs. Sometimes people are just burdened with, with the stress of things that are coming, and they just need to talk. And, and we have these opportunities that show up in life all the time of people that we encounter, needs that could truly be met. And, and we discover that this one truth, that kindness is expressed through care. Kindness is demonstrated in the lives of people when we choose to care about them and not walk past them. We choose to take time to find out what's going on and see how we can help instead of ignoring those needs. Kindness is expressed through care. And, and we look around in the world today and we certainly see people who could use a little bit of kindness. We certainly see people who are in need for someone to demonstrate care to them. And when we see people, there's something inside of us that, that pulls us towards those people. Have you ever felt that that desire to engage someone that you can tell has a need? You, you see somebody that is sitting, red eyes, head down, and you know there's something big going on. And you, you, just, you just feel this tug. And you know that, that you could really encourage them probably if you just would sit down and talk. You, you, you ever encountered somebody that you could tell needed, provided for. And, and sometimes they're bold enough to say, hey, can, can you help me out? I, 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 need, I need to buy some food for my, for my kids, and I, I don't know how to do that. And maybe you see somebody on the, on the corner where there's a light holding up a sign, and they're actively engaging people to, to provide for their needs. We have all kinds of opportunities. Maybe, maybe it's not somebody who looks like they need anything at all somebody who's successful, somebody who sits next to you at work. They don't look like there's a financial burden. They, they, you know they have a, you know, a, a healthy marriage and good kids, and yet something off. Something isn't right. Kindness is developed in us when we respond to that motivation, when we, we answer the tugging of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. To, to develop this, this fruit of kindness by caring for people. It grows in us as, as we practice it. No matter where that motivation comes from, when we engage in those moments, we see how the Spirit is working through us, how the Spirit is providing the strength that we need, 
providing the, 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 the patience that we need, providing, providing everything that we need to engage with someone and help care for their needs. It, it, honestly, it reminds me of how, how the Spirit is working through all of these fruit to develop our lives, to, to reflect the, the heart and character of, of Christ. Have you noticed how, how each of these fruit are, are growing together, building on each other? And we started talking about individual fruit. We're still talking about individual fruit, but, but we talked about love and joy and, and peace. And, and peace really, I mean, as we were talking about it, we, we saw how it kind of depended on, on, on love and joy and growing in the Lord and understanding that. Patience totally depends on, on, the, on, on loving people and, and, and the peace that comes from And, and, and we're, we're growing in this process of understanding the fruit as they work together in this like fruit salad of belonging to the Lord, this, this smoothie of everything blended together. And, and we've got this apple of kindness that can stand on its own and grow on its own, but how much better it is when, when it's combined with the love and, and the joy and the, the peace and the patience and all the fruit that, that go into this fruit salad. And you notice that, that apples, when you, when you cut them up and put them in something, they wither pretty quickly. They turn brown, and they get, they get kind of gross on their own. You put a little lemon juice on that apple, and it stays nice. And the, the tartness and the sweetness is, is accentuated. And, it, and, and everything about that fruit, suddenly you realize how great it is as it's paired with other fruit. This is what we're discovering as we surrender to the Spirit and where He's leading us and guiding us, that the more that we do so, the greater that fruit becomes in our lives. As we care for others, we express kindness, and we see how the Spirit grows that kindness in us, making a significant impact in the lives of other people. But also, we discover that that kindness is seen by the Lord. And it matters to him when we, when we care about other people, as if we're caring for him. It matters when we walk past other people with needs, as if we're walking past him. And he also says that, that this kindness, it, it marks us as his own, like separating sheep from goats. That he identifies with, with that kindness as a reflection of, of, of what, what's happening in our hearts. And that's a difficult thing to determine, what, what's happening in the hearts of people. You look around and, and, and you wonder about what's, what's going on on the inside. We can make guesses. We can make assumptions. We see evidence of that. There are moments when our hearts are laid bare, when the doors of our hearts open, and, and, and we truly express what's going on inside. Sometimes that's with words and the way that we talk to people shows what, what God is doing in us. There are other times where our words reveal the nature of our hearts, and we'd rather have people not see that. Sometimes it's our actions that, that lay bare our hearts, and, and people see through kindness what, what God is doing in us. Of course, there's other things that we'd really rather people not see as well, because they're a reflection of, of other things that are going on in our hearts. But we, we, we see this opportunity of the Spirit working in us, of developing this fruit, these, these moments to care for other people, and, and be a reflection of the heart of, of the Lord in the way that we, we interact, in the way that we care for people. And we have to depend on the Spirit to lead us to those moments. We have to depend on the strength of the Spirit to step in to the lives of people, to, to break through that awkward barrier, to ask the question or to, to, to begin the conversation. 
It's not an easy thing to do sometimes, but it's meaningful and it's valuable. As we continue to care, kindness grows. But it's also true, as we, as we, as we ignore those moments, as we walk past people with needs, that affects us as well. And every time we walk past a, a person in need and choose not to engage with them, we develop calluses in our lives. If calluses? I'm a, I'm a minister. I work in an office, so I don't have many calluses, but I do have a couple. And the places where I have a callus, thicker skin, it's layered up a little bit, those places, I don't feel things as sensitively as I feel them in other places in my hand. I don't feel pain on those calluses the way I do in other places. It just it doesn't affect me. So when, when we walk past a person in need and we go, you know, I, I just don't have time today. I, yeah, there's a car broken down by the side of the road. Ah, it looks like they've got a cell phone. They'll be fine. Every time that we, we, we go past a moment to care, that it, it, it builds calluses in our lives, and, and we lose sensitivity to those moments. We stop feeling that, that motivation of the Holy Spirit as innately as we did before or as clearly as we do when we're faithful to, to answer those. It, it builds calluses in our lives, and we start to, be, to, to become calloused people. Ah, they need me. Ah, they've got it taken care of. And, and, and more and more and more, we find ourselves ignoring what the Lord is calling us to do in the lives of people. And the second story I want to talk about is a well-known story. It's in Luke chapter 10. A young expert of the law approached Jesus, wanting to test Jesus. This is what happens a lot in the, in the Gospels. How, how do I inherit eternal life? And so Jesus turned the question back on him. Well, what does Scripture say? What do, what do you read in the law? Tell me, tell me what that says. Oh, well, I love the Lord with my, my heart, my strength, my mind, and love my neighbor as myself. You say, that's correct. And so this, this guy wanted, wanted to prove to Jesus that he was, he's already... He's already doing the right things. Okay, well, who's my neighbor then? Tell me, frame this out. Tell me exactly who I need to love like myself, and I'll tell you how great I am at that. And so here, beginning in verse 30, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, when, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine. And when he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and, and, I, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law said, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That's not what this, this young expert in the law was hoping to hear from Jesus. He was wanting to prove to Jesus that he had already attained this. Jesus turned the story around to say, no, there's... There's always more for you to do. This is about developing a heart, an attitude, a, an action. And, and Jesus never actually answered his question, who's my neighbor? He turned the story entirely back on, on this, this expert in the law. Seeing the selfishness in his question, not defining the parameter of who his neighbor should be, 
Not talking about the recipient of kindness, but pointing this man to his responsibility to care, to, to see people, to see needs, and, and engage in them. And he, he did it in a way that really would have, would have struck the heart of this young ruler, of this young expert in the law. He told the story in a way that, that probably would have frustrated him a lot. So there's a man who, who's, who's been robbed, beaten, left for dead, and, and the, the, the first two people who come by the, this beaten up man are, are people that the, this expert in the law would have looked up to, a priest and a Levite. A Levite who, who knows the law innately, a priest who, who practices worshiping God and brings people to, to, to follow the guidelines of Scripture. These, these, these two giants of faith for the Israelites. And what did they do? They moved away from the person who needed them and walked past. The third person in the story, Jesus said, is not an Israelite at all. Not someone that you would look up to like you would these, the, the Levite and the, and the priest. Instead, this is someone that you actually would look down upon. The Samaritans were a nation set apart from Israel, not full-blooded Israelites. And because of that intermarriage with Gentiles, they were looked down upon, seen as less than human, not just rivals, but scorned people. And it's the Samaritan in the story who is embodying the, the image of the kindness of the Lord, who's demonstrating the care that this expert in law is actually asking about. And so, in fact, this expert in law has to learn from Jesus not to worry about where a person lives or their heritage or where they come from, not worrying about checking off a, a box to, to be good enough, but instead to, to recognize opportunities in people, recognize moments to demonstrate the care and compassion and kindness of Christ in the world around them. And, and here's the point. No person is undeserving of kindness. I understand that's an awkward way to say that. It would be much clearer, much more concise, a much better sermon point to say, everyone deserves kindness, period. Yes. But it doesn't say the same thing to me. When, when I hear those two phrases, my mind goes to a different place. When I, hear, when I hear this phrase, everyone deserves kindness, I think about all the people that I want to be kind to. I think about nice people who are, who are thankful, who, who show gratitude. I think about about. People who are, are, are wealthy and affluent and, and influential. and People who, who have something to, to reciprocate when I'm kind to them. When I hear the phrase, no person is undeserving of kindness, now I think about people that I don't want to be kind to. I, yeah, I'm the minister. There are people in this world that I don't want to be kind to. I have a hard time being kind to them. It's true for me. It's true for you. There are people in our lives that make it difficult for us to be kind to because of our history, because of wrongs that have happened between us, because they're irritating people, because they have huge demands. And you know that when you start to help, they're going to keep asking for more and more and more. And we have a habit of evaluating people and trying to determine for our sake if someone is worthy of kindness. 
Isn't that strange? Doesn't it sound bad when I say it out loud? We evaluate people to, to see if we can justify whether or not they deserve our kindness. And we do it all the time. Kindness is an expression of care. It's not an expression of care for those who qualify. It's not an expression of care for only those who are worthy to receive it. It's not an expression of care for people who really, really, really deserve it. It, It's an expression of care. And probably is even a greater kindness when it's expressed to someone that we normally wouldn't really want to be kind to. Maybe, maybe what we need is, is a change in perspective. Instead of evaluating and, and comparing and judging, what, what we really need to do is start looking through the perspective of God, seeing people through the eyes of God. Maybe we need to adjust what we think it means for someone to be deserving of kindness and, and think a little bit about what it, what it meant for God to express kindness to us. And so I think about God's kindness about the things that God provides, the things that God gives. And there are, there are, there are ways that God blesses our lives that absolutely are, are an expression of his loving kindness. But there are other things that God gives that express his kindness in, in ways that, that no one else could ever accomplish. And God, God demonstrates his love and his grace in a way that actually stands in opposition to everything we've just been talking about. God doesn't look into our lives and and expect us to be worthy of his grace. God doesn't look into our lives and wait for us to, to be deserving of his love and his grace. In fact, the opposite is, is absolutely true. God provides love and grace to us when we don't deserve it when we're absolutely unworthy of his love, when we, have, when we have dug a hole so deep with our sins that we cannot possibly come out of it, that's when God demonstrates care for us through his kindness. That, that's when God steps into our lives when, when, when we couldn't possibly do anything to, to save ourselves. He steps in. Demonstrating his love and care through, through Jesus Christ. In fact, that, that's what Scripture tells us. When, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the, in the moment of our greatest need, we experienced kindness and love and grace from God. And, and maybe that should be our example. That instead of, of deciding who's, who's worthy and deserving, instead of, instead of disqualifying people because we know the, the pattern of decisions that they've made, that we would just simply care for people. We would show the kindness of God through our lives every opportunity that we possibly could. This, this mindset that we have isn't, isn't new to us. This thinking about people and evaluating and, and wondering, it, it's been present for a long time. In fact, Scripture speaks directly to it. When Paul wrote to the Romans, he, he, he talked to them about this tendency. And so I want to read for you Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, 
you're condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God steps into our lives when when they're a mess. And he cares for us. And he expresses kindness to us because it's, it's the need that we have. And because it brings us to a place where we recognize how much we need him. And we begin to depend on him. And we begin to surrender to him. And the point of God's kindness is to lead us to repentance, is to lead us back to him. Not just to, to resolve the difficulty so we can go on living for ourselves, but, but to show us the value of, of living for him instead. And we connect the dots. And we think about all these opportunities that the Holy Spirit is pulling us toward. And we see people in need. People in need of care. People in need of kindness that we've been pretty flippant about whether or not we're going to step in. And we've missed the significance of these moments, not just to, to be the hero and take care of something. That's not it at all. The importance of these moments is to help people see God through us, to become a reflection of his kindness in their lives so that they too can come to a place where they finally open their eyes to, the, to the, the value of a relationship with the Lord and, and maybe just come to a place of repentance and begin working their way back to the Lord. That's the opportunity that's placed before us. That's the, the greater significance of, of expressing kindness in the lives of people. It has eternal significance. And God invites us. And the Spirit the indwelling presence of the Spirit who's working to develop this kindness in our hearts is pointing us to over and over again these moments to be a reflection of the kindness of God in the lives of people. To reflect this, this true biblical kindness. It's not about what we have to offer, but it's truly a reflection of a humble, grace-filled, heart that has been submitted to the Lord.